0: Hello and welcome to episode two of Manoli's Musings. I am your host, uh, Manoli, once again. Uh, how you doing? Everything hunky-dory? Everything all right? You know, I was thinking, I'm like, ah, I don't know. People seem to like the first episode, so I guess I'll give it another another go, huh? And you know, I've, I was thinking, you know, is, is this what the world needs right now, another podcast? Well, maybe it's not what the world needs. Maybe it's what I need, huh? You ever think about that? You ever once think about that? I can handle things. I'm smart. Not like everyone says that I'm dumb. I'm smart and I want respect. A little Godfather to uh, Fredo impersonation there. John Cazale, playing Fredo in the Godfather movies. What a talent this guy was. Uh, He was in five movies literally his first movie was the godfather i mean i don't know how you can ask for a better start to a career um he was in the godfather part two um the conversation all directed by coppola then later a uh, dog day afternoon and then his last movie was the deer hunter and an amazing actor um and you can see it in in his movies i mean just just raw talent i mean he you know, he did five movies and all five were nominated for one best, the Academy Award for Best Picture. And it's so sad that he died not long after he wrapped up the the Deer Hunter. And at the time he was dating uh, Meryl Streep and she stayed with him to the very end. That just goes to show, you know, what, what kind of relationship they had, uh, how she cared for him, but amazing actor. Uh, It's, it's such a shame that he never had the chance to, you know, have a full career. Yeah, so he was in five movies. They were all nominated for or one best picture, and then even later on, they used his footage in The Godfather Part Three, and that was nominated for best picture. So, really unique career, excellent actor. Uh, a little movie trivia for you. Okay, so what did I do today? Um, I- I'm actually going to release this now because I'm going to be out of the country on spring break coming up here soon so I wanted to get another episode of the books because you know I, I I thought I had exhausted things to say but it turns out I actually have a lot to say uh maybe too much yeah so uh, this morning I, I woke up early I had to get some work done and I was working on my thesis so it's like so I can graduate college you know that's kind of important and I was listening to uh um, uh, Mozart opera, early opera, he was 14 when he wrote it, Amitridate Re di Ponto. And he was 14 years old when he wrote it. It's not as popular as some of the other ones, uh, some of the mature operas, as they're called. But I mean, what a work! It's like three and a half hours long, but I swear it goes by fast. Uh, it's an opera seria, which means that uh, there's very few ensembles there's one duet at the end of act two and then a very brief ensemble at the end of the opera, but that's it. The rest is all arias and, you know, uh, rest it, basically. Um, the story, I swear that this guy, Mitridate, uh, Mitridates, uh, would be his real name, non-Italian. Uh, so he was the king of Pontus, which is like, uh, Back in the day, it was part of the Hellenic kind of empire that Alexander started. Nowadays, it would be northern Turkey on the Black Sea, and this guy uh, was fighting the Romans. And I mean, he, he gave him he gave him one hell of a fight. I mean, this guy fought them for decades and decades and decades. He's like the one man army against the Romans. And in the opera it opens up, and he has two sons, Sifare and Farnace. And this messenger comes in and he says, oh, oh, boys, your your father died on the battlefield. Do you know what their first reaction to that was, this this great, great warrior father? Did they mourn him? Were they sad? No, you know what they did? They looked at their father's fiance, Aspasia, and they said, hey, you know, since my father died and all, you know, I was wondering if uh, he'd consider me marrying me instead. The guy... Had not even his body was not even cold. His sons don't don't care at all. I mean, what kind of children are these? The most ungrateful brats, right? Anyway, so fast forward about I guess forty five minutes, and you know what? It turns out it was fake news. Mitradate is alive, and he's come to marry Aspasia. And not only that, uh, he brought a girl for his ungrateful son Farnace, who's crazy about him, even though she's never actually seen him. I mean, this guy, gets a bad rap. He, I mean, think about it. Your father, he's fighting off the Romans for you. Then he brings you this beautiful girl to marry. Uh, and she, she's crazy about you. This this is like dad of the year. I don't understand. What, I don't know what's wrong with these sons. They, they want to kill him. They hate him. The one wants to get a space for himself. I mean, these are the most, the worst children in opera. I swear. And, you know, it all comes to light that, you know, his sons are... Trying to portray him, Farnace is actually working with the Romans to try to overthrow his father, which is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, and he, and Mitridate gets a little, he gets a little upset, and I, I really can't blame him. You know, this guy's been on the battlefield his whole life. And he's got these two ungrateful sons trying to usurp him. Uh, I would be upset too, you know. But in the end, his sons go back to him, and they, they fight alongside him. Uh, Mitridate unfortunately is defeated and he decides to poison himself rather than be captured by the Romans and then uh, Farnacci ends up with his wife Ismina and Sifare ends up with his wife now Aspasia Mitridate blesses his sons and it's kind of a happy kind of a happy ending but I mean I swear these kids man they they don't know how good they had it I, I don't think so Oh, gosh. Sorry about that. Um, Yeah, and you know, I actually, I kind of have a beef with Mozart about this opera. Uh, The real Mithridates, this guy was freaking interesting, okay? He wasn't this lovesick kind of crazy guy that Mozart wants to paint him as. This guy, not only did he single-handedly fight off the Romans for decades, he wore Alexander the Great's clothes because he wanted to replace him he uh he killed one of his enemies by pouring molten gold down his throat i mean how does how do you know that about someone and you don't put that into the opera i don't understand this guy could have been a lot more interesting than what what we got i mean i love the opera it's beautiful music amazing it's one of my favorites actually and the recording is beautiful from the late 70s arlene alger uh, edita grubarova agnes balza the great greek mezzo Ileana Kotruvas, great cast, great cast. Uh, Highly recommend. Check it out, okay? Uh, I saw this thing, moving on from that. I saw this thing. It was, uh, there was a show, I guess it was back in the 80s, maybe the 90s. I don't know when exactly. uh, This is Your Life. And it was this show, they get a celebrity and they, they trick them. They put them in a room under false pretenses and then they'd come out and they'd have people from like their past come and like reminisce and tell stories about their home life, uh, their hometowns and like how they got to where they were. And I was watching uh, Angie Dickinson, one of the great, great stars of her day. Uh, they bring her into a room and they tell her, hey, you're going to be interviewing uh, the director, Brian De Palma for a special with HBO. Anyway, she gets in there, and then all of a sudden Pat Sajak walks out, and she's like, Oh, hey Pat, well, what's going on here? And he goes, Angie Dickinson, this is your life. And if you could see, it's all on YouTube. If you could see the the stink eye that Angie Dickinson had on her face when she heard those words, I mean, talk about a complete a uh, complete mood mood shift. I mean, she, she her eyes go, I mean, she's furious. She, she gets a scowl on her face, and she's just shaking her head like, I'm not doing this show. I'm not doing, this is my life. Uh, I'm not, and then she starts going, I'm not doing this FN show. It's, I mean, she's furious. <laughs> you know what, I... Uh, and so they let her go, but I, I really can't blame her. You know, you, you bring someone there under false pretenses and you want to examine their life uh, on live television? I don't think so. You know, uh, they bring these people out of the woodwork. I don't know. I don't know who these people are. How do you know that they even knew her? They could have just been random people. Oh, I went to high school with Angie. Here's her picture. And we were best friends. And, you know, they could come out and Angie could look at them and say, who, who are you? If they did that to me and they're like, this is your life. I'm like, yeah, it is my life. I I know I lived it. Okay. I don't need to rehash it for the general public. If I want to say it, I will, you know, and I don't want people coming out there. Oh, Manola, you remember when we were in Paris and blah, blah, blah. I don't need any of that. I don't need anything brought up. Okay. I don't want that to happen. Uh, You know, if I want to say, you know, and these people, they come out the woodwork, you know. Uh, now they want they want to cover the action, right? They want their fifteen minutes. They want to be on the. This is my life, and they we were best friends. You know, there's a reason I left you back home. Okay, go back. I don't blame her. I don't blame her one bit. She walked out, and I think she did the right thing. And they said, you know, Angie, you'd be the first person to walk out of the show. And she said, I don't mind. I'm usually the first. <laughs> How about that? Uh, yeah. So Pat Sajak, he's he's trying to state this show. I mean, he's aghast. And you know, I got to be honest. I don't think he ever. I don't think he ever got over that. Uh, I'm worried about Pat. Have you ever seen an episode of Wheel of Fortune lately? Have you watched Pat Sajak? His mannerisms, his expression. This guy's eyes. His eyes are dead. Okay. He's standing there. And he's, he's waiting on these idiots to answer these puzzles. They don't know where to stand when they come out for the the finale. He's got to, like, guide them and put them on their mark. He's just standing. It's like he's rooting for them to lose. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh, that sucks. It's too bad.
1: Better luck next
0: time. I mean, Pat Sajak now, when you watch Wheel of Fortune, he's just like, how much longer do I have to keep doing this before I can run to the back and hit the bottle? Um... Yeah, I am worried about Pat. I I don't know. I, I think this wheel of fortune has taken its toll on him. I don't think he ever got over the Angie Dickinson uh, cursing them out on live TV. I don't know. He was never the same after that. And then Vanna, I mean, poor poor Vanna. I, I don't is that even her anymore? They don't show I haven't seen a close up of Vanna ever in my whole life. I mean, what happened to her? This is horrible what they do to her. They they shoot her from like a hundred feet away. I mean, I, I, come on. Who's running this show? They treat their hosts like the, like, I don't know. But I always thought I would be okay at Wheel of Fortune. I gotta be honest with you. Not for some reason, I always found that one to be the one when I was playing along at home. I always did good at Wheel of Fortune, okay? I don't want to go on Family Feud because they dress just stupid. Do You ever notice how everyone on that show wears a bow tie? I, I couldn't do that. Uh, I, I, I would say... I'm not going on if you put me in a bow tie, okay? But every person wears a freaking bow tie on that show, and I was just—I've never been a bow tie guy. Yeah, actually, somebody the other day they looked at me, they're like, "Oh, you're a bow tie guy, aren't you?" I'm like, I, I just gave him the the look, and I'm like, "No, I actually prefer no tie if when you know if possible." The Family Feud—I mean, I, I just gonna do it. It's too much pressure. You know, if I want to go on the show, I want to lose it for myself. You got your mother there, your father, your sister, your brother, and they're looking at you. And, you know, I'd, I'd be like Ralph Crandom on the $99,000 answer. Oh, I'm a, I'm a, oh, I don't know what to do. I'd be the star player. And then I get to the showdown and I miss it by like, I miss, I blow the whole thing. I, I would mess it up on television. I'd let the whole family down and I would never forget it. Okay. No family feud. If I had to go on one, of the be Wheel of Fortune. Jeopardy. I don't think I'm fast enough. Actually, uh, I used to think that I wanted to go on like Survivor or Big Brother. And uh, I was thinking about Survivor the other day because uh, I I woke up and I didn't eat for I don't know. I was starving, and, and my energy was down. It ruined it ruined my whole mood. Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, really, you want to do Survivor? You can't go six hours without eating. Uh, you, you get lethargic and you're going to go on Survivor where they have to eat nothing, basically, for 39 days. So that out, that's out. That dream is gone. OK, uh, big brother, you know, I think they can, you can eat pretty good on that show. Maybe I'll go on that. But I don't know. Camera's watching you 24 hours a day. I don't know if I could shake it. It would be, it would be uh, kind of creepy, you know, and there's, there's always, I don't know, it's just, you're stuck in that house with these people. I would say something stupid to get myself voted out. I, I would, like, talk in my sleep, and I really, I can't stand so-and-so because they snore, blah, 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 and, and then they vote me out first. I I'd go through all the motions, I go through the casting, and I get in there. And I'd be sent off the first week. I think is what would happen to me if I went on one of those shows. Um, I don't know what other shows are there that I can compete on. Uh, I'm not a star. I can't. I, <laughs> I couldn't do Dancing with the Stars. I feel like Pat Sajak is about to be on Dancing with the Stars. Has anyone's career trajectory actually gone up after going on that show? I I really can't think of an example. You know who went on that show? Antonio Brown. You know what happened to him? He he had a freaking uh, meltdown on the football field, and he tossed all his equipment into the stands. This is what the, the pressure for the Mirrorball Trophy does to you. You know he was a great he was a great player up until then, and then he just couldn't shake it, and he couldn't shake it. the The horrors of being on Dancing with the Stars it was too much for him. And he couldn't couldn't compete on the football field anymore. He just, the pressure got to be too high. And he, that guy walked off. You see what this show does to people? Actually, I was, I think, I think Bob Miller was on that show. And he, I think he just won a Super Bowl. So, well, no, I know, I know he won the Super Bowl. But yeah, I guess that would be the only example of something good happened to someone after they went on Dancing with the Stars. Otherwise, it's like the kiss of death. Um, I feel like Tom Brady's bound to go on that show if he's actually retired. I don't know. It's like the guy, the guy won seven Super Bowl rings and now he's going for the Mirror Ball. You know? <laughs> how else? How else can you top? You know, uh, the greatest career in football history. You got to go win dance with the stars. And actually, I think they should have. Brady and Gronk versus each other, and I think that should be the season on Dancing with the Stars. I, I think I would tune in. I honestly do. You know, bosom buddies on the football field and enemies in the ballroom. Uh hey, yeah, that reminds me. Uh, you know, people ask me on football, who's your team? Who's your team? I don't have a team. I, I, I don't. You know why? Because I grew up, uh, my father did not have a team. I'm from South Carolina. I'm from Charleston. Uh, The closest team to us would be the Panthers. And I don't know, I just never, never got behind, never got behind the Panthers. Maybe because they were in North Carolina, not South Carolina. People act like there's not a difference. It's a big difference, okay? We don't associate ourselves too closely with the North Carolina, all right? South Carolina is where it's at. just just remember that, okay? But yeah, I can never get behind the Panthers. He he was always into fantasy. I mean, it still is, and so am I. But you know, I wasn't rooting for teams, I was rooting for players, basically. And so I just never picked up a team. And anytime that I think I might like a team, they start to suck. And it's like, you know what? Uh I think I'm good. I don't really want to go through the heartache of, you know, picking a team and sticking behind them, and then they just lose all the time. I feel like you got to be born into rooting for a team. And, you know, football, I just, I never had it. Never had that. Uh, which is fine. You know, it makes it more interesting, actually. You kind of actually watch football instead of just rooting for your team and getting upset when they, when they lose. Uh, it makes it, you actually tend to enjoy the sport more. You know? especially when you're playing fantasy. Uh, anyway, so I was—I didn't have a football team. I don't have a football team, but I do have a baseball team. The Los Angeles Dodgers. It's time for Dodger baseball. That's my Vince Scully impersonation. Uh, well, Gene Manoli, why are you a Dodger fan in South Carolina? That seems rather odd. You must be a bandwagon fan. No, 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 no. My grandfather, my father's father, my papu, he came from the island of Fios in Greece. And he came and he landed in America, in Brooklyn. And in those days, they were the Brooklyn Dodgers. And he said that he learned English at the Dodger games. And that's why I love the Dodgers to this day. And it's uh, rather upsetting the fact that where we probably won't get a season uh, this year, especially coming off of, oh, goodness, the COVID, uh, the short season. We have one one other full season, and then now this the dispute. I, I can't even begin to explain what's going on. I have no idea. I, I was just kind of ignoring it, hoping it would go away. <laughs> it's actually what I do with most news. I just kind of – it's like – uh, you know, uh, if it's that important, I'll, I'll know I'll know what's going on, you know. Otherwise, I think I'll just sit here in my little bubble and uh, I'll, I'll be happy. I'll be content. Actually, it works quite, quite well, I have to say. But, yeah, so I, I'm sad that we probably aren't going to have a baseball season this year. The Dodgers, especially because assuming Kershaw would have stayed with the Dodgers, it could have been his last year pitching you know, the greatest pitcher of the 21st century thus far. You know, he could have had one more year. And maybe he'll have, an, maybe there'll be a season or maybe he'll pitch in 2023. I don't know. I I can't predict the future. I'm just some guy with a microphone. And for some reason, somebody's listening to this. And uh, I just have to say, uh, thank you. Uh, so I drove back from school today and i drove uh back home to charleston and uh i met my mother and my sister and my little brother who's five we went out to dinner downtown charleston I don't know i something's going on with the city man i don't know what it is i i look there's new there's new restaurants new bars every time i go downtown it's like what happened to this place i like they didn't make it they closed and you got all these new apartment buildings They don't fit the architecture of the city. These, these big high-rises, of course, they can't go too high because we have a law in Charleston that the tallest building cannot exceed the height of the tallest church steeple, hence the Holy City. But that doesn't stop them from building, you know, all these new buildings. And it's just, uh, the city, man, it's growing too fast. It's not not how it was when I grew up, but, you know. What can you do? I'll tell you what I can do. Uh, I can complain about it. And, you know, this is an example. Um, so I meet my family for dinner, right? We sit down. We love this place. OK, I'm not going to say the name, but let's just say we love it. It's a great restaurant, one of the best in the city. All right. And I'm sitting there. I'm enjoying it, enjoying my time with my family, my little brother. He was excited to see me. And I look at my sister and she says, no. Look at the look at the bar I'm like whats what are you saying she goes Manoli, look at the bar, the woman sitting there at the bar and I, I cast my glimpse over to the bar and there's this lady I would say you know old enough to know better okay without being rude um old enough to know better I'm looking at her she's she's eating something she's got a martini and I look down and this lady has kicked her shoes off. In full view of the whole restaurant, kicked her shoes off, and she sitting there at this bar stool with these wrinkly, disgusting feet hanging out uh, for everyone to see. And she, they just hanging there. And I, I, I looked, and I kind of looked away. I looked again to make sure it was real, and I just, you know, I'm I'm concerned, man, about the direction our society is going. I just, you know, people don't know how to act anymore. They go on vacation and they think it's a freaking free-for-all. No, people live here. They don't want to see your freaking feet. Feet are gross. I don't want to see it. Especially you're eating and you got to look at these these disgusting feet. I mean, where are your manners? Who, what are you doing? It wasn't like, it wasn't like she had an excuse. I mean, the shoes were normal. But, you know, uh she just felt the, compelled to kick him off and I don't know it's like little things man things like that they just they get under my skin and I'm just uh, how could I don't understand you know uh, you go into this this fine establishment I mean a real place it's not like it was a freaking dive bar it's A real place you know and you, you kick your shoes off at the bar uh some people man they just I'm worried I'm worried people don't know how to act they just they don't know what they don't know the protocols they don't know how we do it down here uh you know we gotta have some pride some pride in our city we get ranked number one by Cotton nast every year I don't know who pays for that um oh, I'm sorry did I say that out loud <laughs> um Actually, I think we lost this year. I think somebody else won, which at this point, because it, it brought in all these people that we uh, <laughs> the locals were begging them, no, no more, Cotton Ass, no more. We don't want it. Give someone else number one. No, I mean, you know, it's an honor, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, we really, really, really number one. You're going to tell me that Charleston is number one after Santorini. It's probably number one in America. I, I give it that. You know, I, I love I love growing up here. It's a beautiful, probably the most beautiful city in America. But still, I don't know. Number one in the world? Something's going on. Oh, I'm sorry. I think the Charlestonians are going to get mad at me. Um, you know what? I, I could say it. I lived here long enough. Uh, yeah. Now, Charleston's a great city. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I get to come back here after I graduate college, which is... Uh, I don't know how to feel about this. It's kind of scary, to be honest with you. Exciting, but scary. I just, you know, I just seeing my friends going out on the town. whatnot. not. Uh, you know, yeah. So spring break is coming up this next week. Uh, this is probably going to be my, probably going to be a bit of a break before my next episode. But, uh, you know, I'm going to get some R&R. Have a few mojitos. Enjoy the sun uh it'll be good it'll be good good time with my friends i i think all right and with that i think i bid you adieu uh have a great night if you like what you're hearing please subscribe i'll be posting more talking to you more you know a little family okay all right have a good one